Okay, this is the second try. Uh, first one came out in Spanish, so here we are in English at the Woodhouse, continuing to go through the catechism put together by Charles Spurgeon. And we're on question four today, and thank you for joining us. I am Jesse. I'm Jessica. And we are on question number four. The question is, what is God? Now, that's a Initially, sort of a strange question, I think, to ask, what is God? But there are things about God that we need to know because he is, in many ways, quite different from us. And a lot of people have the wrong answer. Yeah, there's a lot of misinformation, <laughs> right, about a lot of things, but particularly about who God is. Mm -hmm. So here we go. This is a pretty good start for understanding uh, who God is. God is spirit. He's infinite, eternal. He is unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. So, first of all, God is spirit. Jesus tells us this in John 4, 24. He says, God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. God is not primarily a material being, although we know the incarnation happened, and that's a sort of a... a a new thing that God did uh, 2,000 years ago, but God is spirit. He is not a material being. He's infinite. That means that he is, uh, uh, he, he is immeasurable in who he is. And so one of the things that I love to remember is that we will never fully know uh, God in the sense that we will know him exhaustively. We will know him in his fullness in a special way when we go to be with him someday uh, or he returns for us, whichever one comes first. But we will never go, oh, okay, I now know everything that there is to know about God. Job 11.7 says, Can you search out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limits of the Almighty? And the answer is clearly supposed to be, no, you cannot. Uh, we are finite beings. We are not able to fully grasp everything exhaustively about who God is. God is also an eternal being. Uh, we can read about this in a few different places in Psalm 90 verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God has always been. So his infinite nature as applied to the idea of time and temporality, God is infinite and eternal. No beginning, no end, simply always has been. Kids always ask in school, you know, well, well you know, who made God? And the misunderstanding there is that we tend, they're thinking of God as a being like every other being that they have known. Everybody else has a birthday and a beginning, and God is not like everybody else. Well, the other thing, I see that question even in adult people. It's not just younger persons. And they don't understand this, they because the same, are you saying? They think God is like a person like us. It's not. Right. There are uh, what we call in theology communicable and incommunicable attributes of God. Communicable attributes are those attributes that we can on some level 
uh, reflect and even possess. And incommunicable attributes are those attributes that we cannot. And while we have a soul that will exist forever, our soul has a beginning and God's does not. And so there was never anything before God. There was never anybody before God. And that is just part of his unique nature. It's part of what makes him distinct from everybody else. And this is part of the reason why he is to be praised. In 1 Timothy 1.17, we read, Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He is worthy of that eternal worship because he is the eternal king who always has been. He's also unchanging. That's really good news for us. Uh, In James 1.17, we read that every every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. And so we don't have to be worried, you know, oh, God made these promises, but maybe he's changed now. Maybe he feels differently. God is immutable. He's not changing. And that's really good because people do tend to change. And, (laughs) uh, you know, we've been looking back at some pictures of you and I, and, uh, you know, there used to be less of me. And now there's more. Uh, I haven't just changed physically, but the way we see the world, the way we think changes. And that's not the case with God. And that is amazing because the promises... When he's faithful, and the promise he did it from the beginning, we were reading the question in Spanish, remember Genesis, that he's going to send a savior, and he did. So I think that is an amazing thing for us. Yeah, the faithfulness of God really depends on his immutability, that he's not going to change his mind feel differently and decide that he'd really rather not do things that way. That's good because always I think sometimes when I see the news or the world and I say, oh, no, this this generation, so the younger generations, I don't know how God can love us. (laughs) But all the things I do and sometimes in my mind I say, if I were God a long time ago, I was like, I changed my mind working with you. <laughs> right. But that's not God. Yeah. Was, and I'm thankful for that because it will be a long time ago since the people of God, Israel, we were done. <laughs> right. I mean, you read about the Old Testament people of God and you just go, wow, how in the world is God still putting up with these people? This is crazy. I don't think anybody else would do that. And the good news is that gives us hope today because God is unchanging. And if we can make an honest assessment of ourselves and our churches and our people, the truth is we are also undeserving of God's goodness and grace. And yet he is unchangeable and he's unchangeable in his faithfulness. He's unchangeable in his being. In the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verse 14, this is the encounter uh, that Moses has with God at the burning bush. And God explains who he is. God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God is basically saying, I'm the God who always has been. 
I'm the God who was there with Abraham, with Isaac and Jacob, and I'm the God who is here now. I'm the God who always was. I'm the God who always will be. In fact, um, the, the very name that we now think is probably pronounced Yahweh or Yahweh um, is, is based on the Hebrew verb to be. That's of God uh, is just the eternally existent one in, in his being. He's also unchangeable uh, in, in his being wisdom and power. And we can read about that in Psalm 147.5. Great is our Lord and mighty in his power. His understanding is infinite. He is uh, unchanging in his, in his holiness. Revelation 4.8. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 mm-hmm. Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That is the way to express the superlative in, uh, in ancient languages, particularly Hebrew. Now, even the Revelation is written in Greek. It's from a Hebrew perspective, and it's the idea, it's, it's the holiest of, of holies. You, there's nothing more holy. This is who God is. And so um, he's, he's unchangeable, he's infinite, he is holy, he is just and good and true. Uh, and that is incredibly important to remember that God is a just God, a true God, um, and he is a good God. And we want to hold those things together. Again, in the book of Exodus, chapter 34, just going to turn there now, uh, and we'll read verses 6 and 7, we hear this. Then the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands and forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, that he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on their children and on their grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. And so there's this justice of God that he will not let something wrong go. And there's this justice of God and his loving kindness in that he will not stop being faithful. He is good and he is true. And so sometimes there are people who uh, they, they get their measurement wrong. They, they, they're not able to appropriately assess a situation, but God is true. Everything he speaks and does is true and in accordance with truth. He doesn't ever uh, uh, believe falsehood. He doesn't ever speak falsehood. He is just and he is good. And that's going to be critical for understanding and appreciating the gospel where the goodness of God and the mercy of God, the justice of God, the love of God, all that is going to, going to come together. I love this, knowing about who is God. Well, I remind. And see of these parts of the Bible. And for me, it's like... Super cool. <laughs> I always have this imagination when I was teaching the kids in Mexico at Ezekiel. They have all these visions and everything. It's like you see the glory of God and how you see a lot of things. 
I am reading this and I can see God in the throne, seeing everything with all of these characteristics. But he has power, he is all, uh, I don't have it in English, the other. Um, holiness, he has truth and justice. So he is. He's a king right now. He's a king. He is ruling all over. And he's not changing anything of this. He's the same from the beginning. And for me, that is a big hope. The who is God. And it's very encouraged to me remember this. And I always, I don't know, I think I'm very excited to see him in all this fullness and not die. <laughs> yeah. Being his presence and... But I think that for me, it gives me hope and it's very, yeah, it's very amazing for me to think about this of God. Yeah, well, you mentioned there to, to see God in all of his glory and to live. And that's really <laughs> key because God is, um, he is holy. He's mm -hmm. absolutely holy. And in the Old Testament, we see examples of people who don't live when they come in yeah. contact with the holiness of God. And, and the gospel reminds us that we need holiness, we need to be made holy, and that that holiness comes to us by grace through faith in Jesus. And so we have this hope of seeing God and, and, and understanding more and more of who he is, and we'll spend all of eternity growing and just... Uh, uh, enjoying the knowledge of who God is and, and enjoying that relationship with him. And there will always be new aspects of who he is that we become aware of or, or have a deeper appreciation of. And so it, eternity will not be boring because eternity will no. be shared <laughs> with this infinite God. And so what a, what a glorious thing to think on. I'm waiting for that day, but for right now, I think it's a good, a good question to think about yep. and remind this every day. Yeah. What is God? And again, some of these characteristics are ones that we can share to varying degrees. And then there's some things here that just make God totally unique. And we need to recognize what is the nature of God in order to appreciate the way he acts and what he does in the Bible and what he's done for us in Jesus. So I hope this is encouraging to you and uh, I hope you'll join us again for our next episode when we consider questions five and six. Are there more gods than one and how many persons are there in the Godhead? And again, these might seem basic to you and that's great. It's good to go back to the basics and these are also great things to make sure that you're communicating to your children because the truth is uh, there's a time where so there was a time when so many people had a basic understanding of Christianity that this may have seemed somewhat superfluous, but it is not so now. Uh, there are many, many confused ideas about who God is and what the Bible says about him. And this catechism is an effort to summarize true teaching about God. Well, thank you for joining us. Take care. Have a wonderful rest of your day.